Diego Carlos trying to play Dominic Calvert-Lewin offside. Six yards inside the Everton half? Yeah. What in the name of Christ? It was like having Amelia Earhart at centre half. He was so lost. <laughs> what was he playing at? Where was he going to? Like, not only was he in the Everton half, he popped forward from inside their half as well. Yeah, he sprung. He sprung, the, he trap. sprung he sprung the trap. What do you want to bet against us? Against us? That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. What's the life lesson here? <laughs> Don't dream. Don't get ideas above your station. Stay in your lane. Know where you are in the circle of life. Know where you are in the pecking order, in the food chain. Don't think you can get anything nice in this world. Because you're just going to get crushed. Don't think. Don't fall into the trap of thinking anything is worth waiting for. That you're going to be paid your dues eventually because you're not just give up just give up on it all because the minute you start thinking the world is going to owe you something you're going to get slapped right in the face the minute you start looking forward to a game like i look forward to this match all weekend i was really looking forward to this match i thought the old villa were going to be back and what a waste of time that was (laughs) Literally wasted my whole weekend because it wasn't doing anything, but it was like, ah, you know, but the, the big event of the weekend is still ahead of me. I'm going to be sitting down like I'm sitting down all weekend, but there's going to be a game of football on the TV <laughs> that I want to watch. And then, like, that became a waste of time watching that fucking match as well. That, like, Unai Emery has never had a nil-nil in the Premier League, and Sean Dyche comes along, <laughs> and, and we get... Uh, the uh, that game was painful to watch, sickening to watch, and we dropped two points. That's the way we have to look at it now. We're dropping two points. I defended our away record only a few weeks ago. People were making too much a thing out of it, but I have to tell you, our away record doesn't seem so good anymore. We're we're dropping a lot of points away from home. I I remember asking some time ago, how does Sean Dice get out of bed in the morning? You know, how can he possibly be motivated to turn up to work every day and just simply go in and say, go on hard hit the ball early and if we get a free kick anywhere on the pitch get it in the box <laughs> but, but of course Colin, what i forgot was maybe he likes the misery you know mrs doyle found pleasure and watching a cup of tea turning from dark brown to a lighter brown and sean dice probably derives the same pleasure from seeing the pitch turn from green to brown from his players sliding around cutting it up and from shitting themselves anytime they're in possession like there, was, there was a stage in that second half when Sean Dice was covering his mouth in conversation with Steve Stone and Ian Wone. Nobody <laughs> wants to see what you have to say on the sideline. Like nobody wants to get involved in that conversation. Yeah. Like if I went to the Jacks at a party and came out, couldn't find me mates, and that was the only conversation I'd get involved in. I'd go home. If it was my fucking wedding, I'd go home. <laughs> Everyone got docked 10 points for financial impropriety. You should have another 10 docked for crimes against football. They're building a new stadium at the minute. That's not to showcase this. You don't exactly need the Coliseum for this. It's because the steel trusses holding up the roofs are going to fucking buckle with fatigue failure with the amount of balls getting smashed against them by the fucking Everton players. What was that about? Anytime a ball came near an Everton player, they fucking hoofed it out of the stadium. And and that is the thing. That's the thing that's going to have me grunt and groan in the shower drinking my coffee any moment i have a bit of solitude and time to think over the next three or four days anytime i see a structure vibrate everton are shit like that's the intrusive thought i'll be trying to keep at bay and if this 
if this podcast lasts more than 15 minutes, I'm fucking worried about us. Because I, I can see this coming back in us in divorce proceedings or a custody case. He watched the Aston Villa Everton game for 105 minutes, Your Honor. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> watched it for 105 minutes and then did another hour of talking about it afterwards. <laughs> and then three or four days, you're saying, of groaning in the shower. Two weeks. We have to wait two weeks. To get back into Premier League action, two weeks of just milling over what might have been the same way it was at Old Trafford as well. A shit team that we should have gone and just beaten. We were 2 0 up. We could have just we could have just put them out of their misery, put Ten Hag out of his misery. But we threw that away. Everton, like you say, no interest. Like there was so much apathy around the stadium. And for a while, it reminded me of lockdown games. You could hear everybody talking. You could hear and even if it was covering his mouth or not, you could hear Sean Dice shouting into the, the pitch. And I have to tell you, covering his mouth as well. It's no secret what Sean Dice is shouting onto the pitch. It's just about keeping your structure and not getting carried away. Don't get ideas above your station. <laughs> well, that's ideas above, they get plenty of ideas above their station with those 60-yard free kicks. They've floated <laughs> to the edge of the box. Like, have Everton or Burnley ever scored from this? Like, this isn't just an aesthetics issue anymore. This isn't just about me watching my life ebb away. With ironically enough, every deep breath Jordan Pickford takes before hopelessly lofting yeah. the ball towards the edge of the box. Like it's not just that. There's a genuine question of effectiveness here. Like what what are they achieving from this? Does Sean Dice want to score or does he just want to watch the world burn? Like is he yeah. happy enough knowing how miserable I am watching this bollocks? I- a hundred percent. I think that's what it is because I was keeping an eye on him today and I was trying to see, is he enjoying it? Because I remember you saying, like, what does he get out of bed in the morning for? Or what gets him out of bed? And I was looking at this thinking, right, he doesn't even need to be here because they all know what they're doing now. He's not, he's not going to affect the game in any way. He's just going to sit back and watch. But I think he does enjoy scuppering somebody who does who does get hopes and dreams he enjoys crushing them and he enjoys standing there trying to drag this game into nothingness and the crowd feel that as well like it was so quiet around goodison like those balls into the box they're to the outside of the box that's a defensive move like that's just their chance to push villa down the pitch and get the ball further away from their goals which made it all the more unbelievable how villa were playing and panicking like you know, those balls bobbling around, going into the corner, or somebody's coming up there. Calm down, because like, Everton, at some level now, no matter how much pressure you're under, they have to get the ball under control then, and do something with it. So even if you lose it, it's not that big a deal, because they have to pass the ball to someone, they have to get a shot on target. Like, Villa players falling over the ball, scooping it away, just getting rid half the time and it was like the, the the jeopardy isn't real here because once you lose the ball it's actually the last thing Everton want they don't want the ball they want you to kick it into the net for them yeah like there was a couple of times when we did lose the ball to Anana or Decorey who cares like no Onana or Decorey have the ball 40 yards out and they're trying to find Dominic Calvert-Lewin like it's grand <laughs> the risk reward is there pass the ball to each other yeah and all the more galling because we know how important a goal can be in these games. We talked about it in the Sheffield United match, how it would just change the complete complexion of the game. It would change everybody's attitude to the match. It would change the shape. And if you get the goal, it changes everything. It, it almost validates. If you get a half, a first half goal, it validates making Ollie Watkins your captain in fantasy football then because it's going to open up. He's going to get more chances. But what also should have happened is validating the brilliant decision to bring in Alex Moreno into your team. And he takes a chest down and rifles one into the bottom corner. And it was a gorgeous finish. 
but it's rolled out, rightly rolled out, Bailey's offside. John McGinn wasn't even playing to Bailey. This was how shit he started this match. It was like he couldn't get anything under control. Every single pass was over a hit, miscued, and he tried to play that ball back to Douglas Ruiz from this short corner, and he plays it to Bailey by mistake, who's offside. And I don't know what they've taken four minutes for to decide whether Bailey's offside or not. It was pretty clear that he was offside immediately. They even didn't even look at that. They could have just looked at the foul inside Longley on Danjuma because that probably would have been given if he wasn't offside. So they should have just looked at that first. Then they started looking at whether Longley was in front of Pickford. Like, number one, Pickford is not going to be able to reach out and stop that. <laughs> we know that's the case. Number two, it's it, it's not relevant. He's not he's not in his way. It wouldn't matter if he is in his way. And it doesn't matter because the first picture we saw, Leon Bailey, it's so <laughs> far offside. But such a shame because Moreno absolutely spanked that and it was gorgeous. Yeah, it's a great pick out from Bailey as well, and it's an incredible touch and an absolutely unbelievable strike from Alex Marino. But it looked like an absolute mess. I mean, that sequence of passes couldn't have been intentional. Like That couldn't have been what was being worked on, and there is no way that Leon Bailey can see that Longley is having a wrestling match in the six-yard box, you know, almost keeping him onside. Bailey just doesn't look across. He's, he's, just, he's just as confused by what Frankenstein's monster of a routine has been cobbled together from the mind of McPhee and Douglas Louise and John McGinn here. But what the fuck were the VARs? All four of them. What were they doing? They, they, they saw Bailey was a yard offside. They put the lines on the screen for us. The lines go right through Leon Bailey's crotch. But <laughs> but then, then they were really interested in what happened next. The ball went in the net. That's why you're checking the offside. You wouldn't be doing this otherwise. What are you looking for? I wonder what happened. Did this have any consequence or anything? Yes! He was offside and then we scored. That's what you're checking for. Somebody must have had over 10.5 offsides or something and they wanted to find a second one. And that's <laughs> yeah, that, that was really disappointing. Like I said, it would have changed everything. Disappointing for Moreno. Disappointing because all McGinn had to do was pass the ball back to Douglas Louise, who was closer to him and who was in a safer position. He completely miscued it and went to Bailey, who played a lovely ball to Alex Moreno as well, as should be said. But, but he was offside. And then we get a second goal that nobody seemed to notice. We get a second goal that should have counted. And I don't know why they weren't talking about that. They certainly weren't talking about it afterwards on Sky Sports. In the words of Dave Jones, we have to move swiftly on. We have to move swiftly on 27 minutes before the Man United game because Timo Werner is back in the Spurs squad. Let's like <laughs> let's get to what we're really here for, Timo Werner talk. And like there was a goal here that nobody showed afterwards that they didn't talk about in the commentary. Moreno, again, Moreno had a good game today. Moreno pings one to, he's on the left, he pings it to Watkins on the right-hand side of the box. And Watkins just drills it across to Longley. Watkins is sort of shooting, but he pulls it, he knows he can. And Longley comes in and taps it in. Like, that, that's a goal! That's a goal! And then you, you see the replay, and Carlos is, is Diego Carlos is, uh, David Kutt has blown it for a foul. Like, he was doing every single minute, going for a foul on anything. And he blew for a foul on Michaelenko. And, like, Carlos didn't do a lot. It has to be said now. I, I am also pissed off, though, because like like we saw with Longley on Danjuma, like we saw with Ramsey on the fucking Sheffield United goalkeeper, like Villa players have this habit of wrestling with boys off the ball in attacking positions. And I don't know why Diego Carlos is even getting involved there. That ball is going to walk, and you don't need to help out by stopping Michaelenko doing anything. You know, let it go and just... We're putting ourselves in these positions when we know they're going to be looked at and they're going to look for something. 
but it didn't matter. David Cook stopped anybody looking for anything. He stopped the play and he stopped a definite goal. Yeah, so the ball is, is landing at a centre forward's feet six yards out. Why is he blowing the whistle? Why is he blowing the whistle anyway? Like, you, you cannot referee a game of football based on the physical and mental makeup of David Coot. Like, you know, <laughs> surely, surely referees are going to decision making classes where they're telling them to be conscious of their, their own biases. You know, R- Rob Jones has to make sure he's not showing any affinity bias towards Adebayo Akinfenwa. David Coots has to be told he can't be given free kicks because in that same situation with Carlos touching his shoulder, he would turn to dust like a fucking Animaniacs character. Like, just wait. Like, like, let's let's have an adult human have a look at this after the ball goes in the net. We can't be refereeing games of football with the bar being said at what, what would happen if David Coots was in that position. Because uh, aside from David Coots collapsing under the weight of Diego Carlos' breath, I'm sure Diego Carlos would be collapsing because he couldn't catch his fucking breath, <laughs> laughing so hard at the idea of David Coots playing a game of football against another adult human. <laughs> My friend Steve sent me such a funny message last week about David Coot. He said, David Coot looks like someone in your office when you see them in sports gear for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Like That guy cycling home and you suddenly see him in Lycra and... He's such a loser, isn't he? Like he really does ruin every game. This, like, this, I mean, there are a lot of bad decisions given against Everton as well. Like, he just, he just intervenes constantly. And Premier League prides himself on being the most entertaining football league in the world. And they have David Cook running around every week refereeing a game. And if you just looked at every single one of those matches, then you'd see that these games aren't entertaining at all. He's ruining them. He really is ruining them. And I said Sean Dyche comes along to stop you and I Emery's nil-nil or stop his, his record of not having a nil-nil. It's David Coote as well. Only David Coote could drag a and I Emery team down into this misery. A perfect a perfect nightmare concoction. Sean Dyche times David Coote. Yeah, and some of the Villa players as well. But even if you just go through some of the yellow cards, some of the Aston Villa players, got, you know, Watkins got a yellow card. Watkins got a yellow card for knowing where the ball was. Yeah. He got booked because he knew the ball was in the air, so he jumped for it. While Tarkovsky was bending down to hit a ball that was eight foot off the fucking ground. Ollie Watkins gets booked from that. And talking about the entertaining league, yeah, the header from Watkins was so good as well. They created a 4 v 3 situation for Aston Villa. But David Coots blows it up because Ollie Watkins won a header with his arms by his fucking side. Yeah, by his side. Diego, by Carlos, his side. Diego Carlos got booked for throwing the ball away, is what Alan Smith told us. He was booked because DeCorey told David Coots to book, Ollie, to book Diego Carlos. And David Coots just went, oh, okay. And booked him about 30 seconds after Diego Carlos threw the ball in the direction of the referee, about five metres away from the sideline where the free kick was supposed to be given. <laughs> All right, we're set up perfectly for some WhatsApp winges, so... We'll take a break and we'll come back with that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I mean, in terms of week's wages, immediately John McGinn can't keep a ball in play. This stuff is too rife. I didn't even want to keep track of these balls going out for throw-ins, but they annoy me that much that I had to write them all down anyway. And then Douglas Sweet. <laughs> never mind hitting a ball out for a throw-in. This one might be worse. This is a new one into the fining system. Douglas Sweet can't pass the ball back to Alex Moreno from a throw-in. Like, that's the simplest job. You go get the ball and pass it back and leave the guy who's taking the throw-in with the problem. But that's all your job is to do. Go and get it, get it back to him. But he can't even do that. He just sold him completely short, lost the ball. Douglas Ruiz had a bit of a nightmare today. We'll talk about him a bit later. John Duran's first touch. Jesus Christ almighty. Talk about being fined. Telemans and McGinn, some nice play. And they slide him down the left-hand side of the box. All he has to do is drill it inside. And he scoops it straight ahead of himself. Out out of play for a goal kick. Not a shot, not a cross. I don't know what he was doing. He scooped it up for somebody in the stands. And um, Moreno, the classic, the, the the reason we brought in this fining system, Moreno across, left foot across on the left wing, goes out of play for a goal kick. And the only other find that I have is Ollie Watkins trying that tight ball to Matt Cash and it goes out for a throw-in. I mean, even if that was an accurate tight ball to Matt Cash, it's a bad idea to be playing Matt Cash, a tight ball in a tight area. But he, he, I don't know, he seems to be blaming Cash, but like, you don't need to kick it out of play for a throw-in. I am. I'm going to join in and defend your hero, Wally Watkins, here as well. That's, that's Matty Cash's fault. Wally Watkins shouldn't be over there. Douglas Louise doesn't need Wally Watkins coming in there. And once he is in there, Douglas Louise can't resist it because he wants to do a bit of fucking Rabanas or something. I don't know what he's playing at. Plays down to Wally <laughs> Watkins. And then Matt Cash, just a moron, doesn't realise. He can't run. There's no running behind there because there's two defenders with you. And what? What do you think? What sort of way do you think Ollie Watkins can contort his body there to get that ball to you? He can't pass that pass. That is the most frustrating thing about a professional footballer when they can't understand what the boy on the ball can now do. Yeah. The way you run in there, I can't possibly give you that ball. You are also a footballer. What would you do in the situation? I'll tell you something. It wouldn't be played down the line to me because you can't possibly get it to me. Why are you playing it there? Absolutely hilarious. You started to saying they were annoying me so much, I had to write them down. I'm thinking about you going to see a psychotherapist. Like, do you ever try journaling and then hand that back to him a week later? It's like 64th minute, Ollie Watkins out of play. 72nd minute, Alex Moreno over at cross. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, yeah. And that's you're right. Like, we, Matt Cash is getting fined as well. Let's tell the psychotherapist that. Like, because. He, 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 we, we just spoke about this habit that Matt Cash has. He gives and he goes. He just runs. He'll run no matter what. He'll just run. He'll, he'll go for the return pass, even if there is no return pass on. So we. But I, you're right as well to point out Walken shouldn't be there because he dropped that off to Douglas Louise. And I was like, right, get back in. Yeah. Now. What are you doing? Get just in. Hanging and he, yeah. Anyway, the first WhatsApp point is. <laughs> Longley is annoying me now. 
just the languid style of how he walks and he puts his hands on his hips too often and it, it just it looks like someone who's dragging his arse around in between fitness drills or training or something you know looks tired all the time looks like for fuck's sake can't be bothered with this he's playing a match this is, the, this is the game i've been looking forward to for for so long all week and he's just there uh, it, it just looks too uninterested and certainly when he gets the ball he's just taking too long i mean the last the injury time there was pathetic from from everybody not just longley but he was definitely the chief amongst them and probably only the chief because diego carlos wasn't there at that stage but just standing on the ball for 15 seconds and then eventually just poking it back to to martin is he was also happy to stand on the bike get that you're trying to draw people nobody's coming out like they're happy no no they're happy with no no get get going get something else Get, get like just just show me some get your hands off your hips for fuck's sake <laughs> like i love the way we play i love the control i love the fact that we're averaging more than two points a game with it i, I think it works Connor. and I, I think i think we're quite a good side and then emery has done quite well to take us from 17th to third and he's gotten most things right along the way i love how calm we are and and we, that we trust that the chances will come but sometimes they're not coming and we need to have a trigger for that. We, like, we have to have a plan for how we can increase the tempo, increase the urgency, increase the realization that the team you're playing at are shit. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I made it clear enough at the top of the show. Everton are shite. And, <laughs> and they were so open and aggressive at the end of that game as well. They weren't pressing. They couldn't press. But, but we still persisted on standing on the ball. Like, there were no options. And, like, like we thought we were going, like, we thought they were going to eventually come out. There was more chance of J.D. Salinger coming out of his house and Everton coming out of their half. Like, it was ridiculous <laughs> the amount of time we were just standing on the ball, waiting for them. They're not coming! You have to fucking knock the door down. Let's go. Move the ball. A big, big mm. problem as well. Like, I feel sorry for Longley. Longley's our third choice, left-hand centre-half. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's our fifth-choice centre-back. He, 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 shouldn't be, he shouldn't be on the pitch if everything was going well. But the problem isn't Longley. The problem is that we're we're using Longley like we would use one of the other two, like we would use Pau Torres, like we would use Jerome Mings. Longley can't do that. Like we need to rebalance the team and make sure that it's not Longley standing on the ball. And you're right to talk about him poking it back to Martinez. He played a he played a one, two, three, four, five, six with Martinez in the ninety-third minute. We're drawing nil all with Everton. Yeah. Why are those two passing the ball to each other? Honestly, that that was the most disappointing thing about today. I, I don't think the boys showed enough urgency at all to to want it. Didn't de- definitely didn't create enough chances. Sometimes that'll happen, but like we we didn't try to create chances. We didn't show enough oomph to get back up the pitch. Enough pride to not draw with Everton, and enough like there were no alarm bells going off that we can drop two points here that we shouldn't drop. Like this is a shit team in front of us. Like you say, like there's there's two extra points on offer. Let's go and get it. And we seem far too happy to draw nil nil. I mean, the second WhatsApp one is what the fuck is Emmy Merton is waiting on? We took over a minute to take that last goal kick. There was mm. there were seven minutes added on. The ball went out of play ninety six twenty. And now, fair enough, he seemed to be looking for a ball, but the ball's not missing for a minute. I, I've got my suspicions here now because Emmy Merton has has seen balls disappear before when he's happy enough for the balls to disappear, and. When he gets it back in play, it, when he actually gets the ball, it still takes him another 20-odd seconds to get it sitting down and to get it moving. The Everton fans started booing him. Like, that's the most embarrassing thing. The Everton fans wanted the, the, the ball going. They wanted the match back playing. And then by the time 
he gets it forward. Like the, it's it's over David Kutzin enough. Like he's clocked out now. Like he, that's his shift over. He doesn't have to do any extra work here. He doesn't get paid overtime. And 97 minutes are gone. And we've wasted that ourselves just by not getting the ball back in play. And I think we were too happy with a nil-nil draw, unfortunately. Yeah, Emmy Martinez running around like a tit, asking the crowd for the ball back, not giving it back to you, pal. They're drawing with a team who was third in the league. You know, <laughs> there's two balls behind the goalposts. That's the most annoying thing about this. There's balls all around the pitch. So if Emmy Martinez yeah. was trying to waste time, why isn't John McGinn getting off the fucking bench, moving his fat arse down the sideline, putting the ball in them and say, kick the ball up the pitch? What the hell are you playing at? We're drawing the all with Everton. They're shite. Like, <laughs> it, it was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what we were playing at. I don't think we were happy with the null all draw, but I think... I think we were happy to just hope that a goal comes, you know, as in we'll take a nil all and if we score, we score. Great. But yeah. it, it, it was a strange, a strange approach to a game against a team that are not very good. Yeah. The third WhatsApp one, that was low key the worst open in 10 minutes I have seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Villa having the ball. John McGinn couldn't get control of it. The, the, the amount of freeze we gave away, yeah, that just let Everton push everybody up, let Jordan Pickford come up, let Jordan Pickford stand over the ball, breathe, and eventually just lob one up, but not reach where he's trying to reach. The amount of <laughs> what the fuck nominations in that first 10 minutes, nothing really happened in this first 10 minutes, and that was the most bizarre thing about it all. I was like, get the fucking ball, what is going on here? You can always expect, whenever you're playing away from home, that the... The home team will be up for for the first 10 minutes and might have a bit of pressure. But like, like I said, Everton aren't very good. So whenever, <laughs> whenever they were doing this, all, and I, I can't understand how we weren't... De- like, don't get me wrong. Garner, Onana and DeCorey closed down space really well. But come on. Let's move the ball around. Jack Harrison's playing on the wing for them. Maybe that's a, Maybe that's an out for us here. You know, Seamus Coleman's 35 and that is cruciate last year. Maybe that's an out for us here. Let's think about the ways we're going to get through this. There's definitely space. The Corey doesn't cover the ground that quickly. Pass the ball around him. There's a big problem as well whenever we were trying to pass out from the back, which I'm a fan of, Connor. It was <laughs> the passes. There wasn't enough snap in the passes. The player receiving the ball was waiting for it. So then the Corey can, of course, cover the 15 yards across the Longley. And then he can, of course, cover the fucking 15 yards back to Martinez because he knows where the ball's going once it goes to Longley. But it's just the pass was always too slow as well. That was talking about urgency to get the ball forward. There's no urgency in the pass, no snap in the pass. And that really has to be on it. You have to be drilling the ball into each other's feet to get it past the team, especially away from home in the first 10 minutes. The, the, the first half there wasn't one ball that wasn't bouncing to someone as well I mean, I mean, <laughs> you said about Douglas Weed and Rabona's he was like apart from 20 minutes in the second half where he was really good he was like Dean Smith's Douglas Weed and I just I, I wondered did Dean Smith tell him like he told Jack Grealish I mean you're brilliant go out and just do what you want and that's why Douglas Weed be dicking around a lot of time under Dean Smith just trying stuff he shouldn't be trying in weird areas and trying weird things and sometimes it comes off and we're like oh my god this boy's amazing now also he was a single <laughs> single pivot under Dean Smith it definitely didn't help <laughs> but every time he got the ball today it was like he was lobbing it to someone sometimes he was lobbing it to no one it was like Jordan Henderson he was just kicking the ball in a general area just <laughs> it into space and behind and I don't know what happened to him today I, I didn't think I didn't think Douglas Louise was that bad Douglas Louise I thought whenever he re- whenever the game was in jeopardy of just drifting away to nil all, I think he was the only player that showed appropriate urgency in that second half. He went and got the ball a couple of times towards the end of the match. Granted, two of the times he got the ball, he kicked it. Like, 
it's, it's not like he just kicked it away and you know Watkins can get on there. He kicked it to absolutely nobody. Yeah. He was passing it to, to Jordan Pickford. Like, and it was yeah. 60 yards of space as well. It was the entire half. And I remember Gary Neville, not that I'm going to quote Gary Well, I am going to quote Gary Neville, but you'll have to forgive me for that. I remember Gary Neville talking about whenever you see this happen, sometimes it's because the other players have fucked up. It's, you know, whenever someone plays a ball so bad, it has to be because they're expecting the team to have been set up in a certain way. And, you know, the guy has to go there. I suspect that maybe Gary Neville was just making excuses for his career. But Douglas Louise did it twice and he looked up and he just floated balls over the top. One that was definitely overhead, but one that was definitely Jordan Henderson-esque where he just hit it without looking. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And what about Matt Cash telling people to get in for his throwing? <laughs> Matt, Cash, Matt Cash tried to throw into to Kamara as well in the box. It was like, this is such a stupid idea. This is this is even more stupid than you trying to get a return pass from Ollie Watkins and Ollie Watkins can't possibly play from, given his body position and given the fact that there's two Everton defenders between you and Ollie Watkins. He tried yeah. to throw a ball over three centre-halves to Kamara into the box that Kamara was going to have to take down on the byline and cross into nobody. It's one of those ones whenever you're playing playing with somebody who's shite and they just play the ball into the corner because they see somebody in their team and say, what do you think he's going to do with that ball now? There's literally nobody in support. <laughs> okay, let's take a break because I actually want to start the award categories with the Glenn Whelan Award because I still got some more crying to do. So we'll see you after this. You mightn't see anybody after that. And he was giving out about the instinct to assume that they're guilty. That's because we can see the team that you're fielding. That's, that's because we can see that a club with the fans who can just about create the same level of atmosphere as Denmark versus Tunisia in Qatar, a club like that shouldn't be able to spend £400 million on defenders in three years. Pep Guardiola knows that his legacy is in question here. Pep Guardiola is so terrified of people on Twitter to call him Fraudiola. And like, listen, some of those people have a point. I mean, in his last season at Barcelona, he had Messi running around scoring 73 goals. But Pep led them to second place, nine points behind fucking eye gouger Mourinho's Real Madrid. And were knocked out of the Champions League by Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Chelsea. His first year at treble winners, Baron, they were beaten 5 0 by Real Madrid in the Champions League. He didn't even win the double in his second season. Oh, but he played Philip Lam out of position. You know who didn't play Philip Lam in midfield? Treble winner, you pinkas. Do you know who had to play Felipe Coutinho in midfield? Treble winner, Hansi Flick. Roberto Di Matteo's Chelsea. Bayern Munich have won the last 10 titles. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Niko Kovac won the double in his only full season. He was hounded out by November the following year. Do you know who he's managing now? Of course you don't! don't. He's just some manager. Any manager who took over and won the double. It's not a league, it's a fucking procession. Bayern Munich literally take the best player from the second best team. From the second best team in the same league, it's insane. They signed Goetze in Pep's first year. Then Lewandowski the following year. 
Then they left him alone for a year, and then they signed Mats Hummels. <laughs> Can you imagine if City signed Salah in 2018 and then Manny, and then the following year signed Van Dyke? <laughs> the Bundesliga is a fucking joke. And, and regardless of how good a coach Guardiola is, no matter how well he's taken Cruyff's template and superimposed better players onto it, anyone, anyone could do what he did at Bayern. As demonstrated by the fact that everybody has. Anyone could do what he did at Bayern. Everybody has. You like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award. Let's get straight down to business here. Diego Carlos and Longley at centre back has to stop. I think we've brought this up before. Maybe it's broken record stuff now at this stage, but it has to. It can't go on. You can't be playing an offside trap anymore with these boys. We used to laugh at people who talked about Villa's high line, thinking it was a weakness of theirs, and it definitely wasn't. It is now because it's just a foot race, and these boys are losing every single foot race, and they're losing a foot race against boys who are running from their own half, so they can't be offside, and they don't seem to realise this. The big chance we get to the Rosenthal Award after this, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Diego Carlos steps up. He's in, he's in the Everton half. He's about five metres inside the Everton half. And he steps up trying to catch somebody offside. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin goes in behind him. Longley's not catching him. It, it just, it can't be done. I mean, the reason this was working so well, I know Torres isn't that fast, but he's faster than Longley. <laughs> he's certainly a lot more control as well of the ball. But Kanza in the middle too. It, it just, it, it's breaking the whole thing. I don't know how... Surely Matt Cash isn't this annoying that we have to put these boys in the centre <laughs> and go through the WhatsApp winges. Maybe, maybe my argument is not strong because I've complained about Matt Cash a lot. I find him a lot, but I, I think I definitely rather see Matt Cash at right back and Kanza at centre back. Diego Carlos trying to play Dominic Calvert Lewin offside six yards inside the Everton half. Yeah. What in the name of Christ? It was like having Amelia Earhart at centre half. He was so lost. <laughs> what was he playing at? Where was he going to? Like, not only was he in the Everton half, he popped forward from inside their half as well. He sprung. He sprung he the sprung, trap. He sprung the trap from the Everton half. It was absolutely insane. I've never been happier to check and see that it was a number nine that was bearing down one-on-one before goalkeeper. But Christ <laughs> almighty, what was Diego Carlos playing at? Maybe that was it. Maybe Diego Carlos is thinking on a different level to the rest of us, Conan. Maybe he thought, I have to give Dominic Calvert-Lewin so much space here that Onana has to play him the ball, because I know Onana doesn't want to play Dominic Calvert-Lewin the ball, but I'll make it too hard to resist so we can get the ball back whenever Dominic Calvert-Lewin misses. Insane stuff. <laughs> the second nomination for the You Like Glenn Wheel take a 90th minute penalty award. I'm being wary of breaking records, but Alan Smith absolutely nailed it on cool commentary, talking about Villa's corners going short all the time. And he, he didn't realise that he nailed it, but he said, maybe they'd have a want to sling one or two in, let the likes of Tarkowski and Bramthwaite and Dominic Calvert-Lewin head them clear. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's exactly what will happen if we swing one or two. 
<laughs> You've gotten to the crux of it here, Alan. Well done. The possession stats were on the screen in the second half as well. And Alan Smith says, yeah, not really much between the sides. First half, there was 40% between the two sides. Second half, there was 14% between the two. That was on the screen, as Alan Smith was saying this. There's not much between them in terms of possession. Christ almighty. <laughs> the last nomination. Bringing Duran on. Uh, this lad's head is gone. Uh, he's, he's just uh, he's too too emotional. He's, he's too desperate now. John Duran had a bit of ice cool veins initially when he was just a young lad breaking through for the first time but those goals i don't think have helped him he's obviously got a bit of an ego uh you know emery's been talking openly about his attitude progressively getting better you know, it's just a concern anyway i know he's young and it's good that your manager wants to work with somebody like that rather than just you know throwing a 75 million pound winger out of your club sending him back on loan to Borussia dortmund but you know it's, it's good that your manager will look for ways to coach these boys and things like that but Duran, like I don't even like the sub anyway because I don't like Duran and Watkins up front together. But I don't, they don't. It doesn't work. Like, it, they're not working together. They can definitely both have moments together, but it's all separated. Duran, I don't think really works in the team unless he's just the spearhead of, of a one man attack and people sort of working around him. Like, when 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 he's playing up front with Watkins, you know, have two up front and. One of them is just sort of removed from everything else that's happening. It's like just a spare player there who could definitely rough players up, get on the end of something, big header, he can smash one in like we've seen him do. He's a handful, but he's not part of what we're trying to do. So it's it's such a weird sub for Emery, I think, to be bringing on as well. I, I, was, I know Bailey wasn't playing that well, but when he was coming off and when Duran was coming on for him, I was like, for fuck's sake. It just it, you just know it's not going to work really in, in terms of the the team. Like, you could definitely score, but I don't think it's a, a sort like, of goal long term. Like, I I think we were better after Duran came on, but that's probably more an indictment of the the previous the preceding seventy minutes. Duran came on for Diaby. Diaby was absolutely fucking useless. He wasn't in the game at all, and when he was, you were wishing he was back, disappeared up his own hole or wherever he's gone. I'm not sure where he is. But <laughs> Duran had two big chances, two decent chances, and Leon Bailey coming on. Leon Bailey always comes off. Conan. Is Leon Bailey completed ninety minutes for Aston Villa? There's one for yeah. Stato to check. I'm not sure if he has. I can't remember it. And if he has, we were probably four 0 up and just thought, why not keep him on? And whenever Tielemans came on alongside Duran, Tielemans was very good when he came on. He got on the ball, played a couple of through passes. Duran actually should have had three big chances. You talked about him tickling the ball with his baby toe as he scooped it out into the fan at the corner as well. Duran had a lot more chances than Ollie Watkins had. Duran was involved in the game. Duran played like a centre forward. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Duran is is the answer to our problems. But he was definitely an answer today. We had to try something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're on to something. Maybe you're on to something. I'll think about it. But let's get to the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. See how logical you're feeling after I read out these. Well, I'd say that. Many big chances. But (laughs) first nomination is for Everton. And it's Dan Juma just missed the ball from a cross that came in from the right wing. So once again, always good to know that other Premier League footballers miss the ball occasionally as well when they've got a chance. Put in front of them. <laughs> uh, I suppose the first Villa, big chance for them. Watkins had one save, but the, this one was the, the Bailey right-footed save. It was Pickford, obviously made the save. But Watkins did well, got him behind, had a... I don't know if it's a shot there. He's pulled it to the other side of Pickford anyway. Once you get Pickford running, like that, that's a really good tactic because all sorts happen when you see him sprinting around. 
and the Abbey did so well to actually receive it on the end line and, and sort of use his body to get in front of the defender and he gets it out to McGinn and he just sort of steps over it Douglas Louise does a little shimmy gets it to Bailey tame enough effort on his right foot it's a good effort it's a good save really nothing to shout home about yeah, the Watkins one, I mean, the the only chance that had of going in was because it was such a bad decision to take the shot on from that angle that maybe Pickford wasn't <laughs> going to be expecting it. But it, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately, it was coming up against the bad decision maestro. You know, you can't kid a kidder and you can't make a bad decision against a moron. The the Bailey one, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely football between Doggy and Watkins and it's a brilliant little clip from Doggy. And I just wonder, can, can Watkins just wait a fraction for that ball to drop and try to catch it on the half volley? And yeah, Gabby does brilliantly. To I think he could have. Yeah, I thought I thought he was showing a, 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 a not showing too much respect, but just not showing enough ignorance to just get a shot away there. Like a couple of times, he was getting in behind like that, sort of with a half turn to the net. Just just let one go. Let one go. Appreciate the fact that it's probably James Tarkovsky. This one, you just calm down. You don't have to always come back out. And yeah, Diaby does amazing to outrun a 35-year-old with a Christian knee ligament injury only seven months ago. And uh, it's recycled pretty well. It's a good dummy from McGinn. It's actually a gorgeous dummy from McGinn. The pass from Dougie's lovely. It's a great touch from Bailey. And it's a good idea from Bailey as well. Bit too much backlift and that makes it saveable. And sure enough, Pickford saves it. Yeah. The... Like... Dominic Calvert Room is obviously the big one. That's obviously the winner. He goes three one on one with all the time in the world because Longley and Diego Carlos are chasing him, and <laughs> it's it's a brilliant save from Emmy Martin. Is it? He does the he does a spider just spreads himself, gets all these limbs out, and it is a very good save in fairness. And then the follow up is from James Garner, and he does the cat on him, like where he's just down like a cat very quickly, two hands on it. And yeah, it's 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 very good from Martin is, but the two biggest chances probably fall into Everton. Yeah, but like, <laughs> so we talked about Dominic Calvert Lewin getting through one on one and how it was brilliant that it was Everton centre forward who was through. After he misses, he peels off to the corner flag with his head in his hand. Like <laughs> his winger has just collected the ball on the byline and he's off trying to collect his thoughts in the tunnel. Where are you <laughs> going, son? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> And then Martinez does brilliantly to get down to save Gardner's dreadful deflected finish after that. But what the fuck was Dominic Calvert-Lewin doing? Yeah. John McGinn whip one wide from the edge of the box. This is from the Diaby penalty shout. I mean, we we call out Villa players as a second they dive. This is only going to encourage footballers to dive yet again. If Diaby dives there, on like Mayalenko's fouled him. Like he's, he's kicked him after he's, he's nudged the ball away from him. And... He doesn't go down, and then Tarkowski probably—it's a free kick. It was out the pitch, you know. He's just come in, completely jumped into him, two-footed, gets the ball, comes through him. Definitely a free kick for out the pitch. But the first one—if he goes down there, he wins the penalty, and there's nothing, there's nothing anybody will do about it. It might take them seven minutes to confirm, but they'll get it. <laughs> yeah, Ollie, Ollie Watkins wins the Paul Merson. That is just filthy lifetime achievement award in the build up to this. I mean, the hold up play is absolutely yeah. insane. The turn on the ball, the acceleration then to go past the next player was absolutely brilliant from Watkins. Diaby gets clipped, yeah. And then Tarkovsky must think because David Cook was the referee that it's already a penalty and he might as well get hung for a sheep as a lamb. And he takes his entire body off the ground and only gets the ball because Diaby passes it. Tarkovsky doesn't know Diaby's going to pass that. Diaby could easily have taken a touch. 
although Diaby's touch the last fucking month probably would have ended up going all the way back out of the box anyway. But if, if Diaby tries to put his studs in that ball, then it's undoubtedly a penalty. Tarkovsky's dived in. He's gone through him. Even if, even if Tarkovsky wins the ball and goes through Diaby, don't give the penalty. But you have to send Tarkovsky off for that. It's a fucking disgraceful tackle. He's miles yeah. off the ground. And the, the expression excessive force, Christ almighty, Tarkovsky couldn't have gone through him more there. It was yeah. it was a horrible, horrible tackle. And just lucky that Diaby's leg doesn't get broken. His full body weight goes through Diaby's standing leg. Insane. Then... Jack Harrison plays the shittest ball across the box, and each of Diego Carlos, Bubakara Kamara, Ezra Conza, they all back off it in different angles, and it just gets poked wide by Danjuma. Thankfully, Danjuma just had no composure at all, but got so much time because the boy's indecision. Again, panicking because there's a ball bobbling. Harrison couldn't have played a worse pass. And then the big chance, I suppose, from a Villa point of view, is Moreno again. Longly, nice ball over the top, almost overhit, but nothing's overhit when Alex Moreno's around, when Alex Moreno's chasing into the byline. And he drills it across, walking steps over it, lets it come to Matt Cash, who gets blocked down. And it looks like, it, I mean, it's blocked down. I think it's Mayalenko who then seems to, like, as he's diving out to block it, drags it out of his hands. <laughs> to complete the block <laughs> John McGinn gets a follow up past Pickford and Seamus Coleman blocks it, hits his hand as well he's, he's not going to get a penalty for that one but I would like to have seen the other one a bit more if, if they didn't have such a big game on afterwards we might have got to look <laughs> yeah like the annoying thing about this is that Matt Cash tries to control a strike for the first time in his career and it absolutely was not the time to do that <laughs> And then immediately after that, John McGinn tries to control a strike for the first time in his career, and it absolutely was not the time to do that either. The two of them just side-foot those. And, yeah, Mikalenko definitely handles the ball, or his hand drags the ball across the ground. But if he doesn't do that, Pickford's going to pick it up. Or, sorry, Pickford's going to attempt to pick it up. So it isn't a penalty, and his hand's on the ground because he's gone out and he's blocked the ball quite well. Yeah, big, big, big opportunity for Cash and McGinn. One of them should have fucking roofed it, but they didn't. Then John Duran does well, and in fairness to Matt Cash, it's a good cross, it's a really good cross from him, and John Duran gets in front, exactly what you want to see, gets in front, he's aggressive, flicks it on, it's a good attempt. Now, the, the problem with this attempt was that it was the 88th minute or something like that, if this happens earlier in the game, it's just like, yeah, well done John Duran, you know, but at this stage, it's like, ah, oh, for fuck, you know, is, that, is, that the, is that the best chance we're going to get, really? <laughs> yeah, the much derided Cash and Duran actually worked this really well. Ollie Watkins probably overhits the pass out to Cash, but that yeah, gives Cash time to look up because the, the fullback hasn't gone out that far. And it's a great run from Duran. You can see Duran's at the back post and he points into the front post mm. and he gets there. It's a really difficult finish. He actually does quite well to nearly get it on target, but he's not going to score from there. He probably runs too far past the post, but brilliant ball from Cash. Great run from Duran. Really good effort from the difficult position he put himself in. Yeah, I think the Moreno cross to John Duran at the end it just sort of summed up how potent we actually really were. Just, you know, it's fine because like, it's the only thing it was on the cross, but if John Duran's going backwards too far out, the cross is too floaty and mm. it's, it's a nothing header. But like that was it. Like, that was the, the last of the chance of John Duran coming across the defender trying to flick an outrageous one to the tightest of angles at the other side of the net was the best chance we got in the, in the after the after the Matt Cash block. Yeah, lofted cross and backtracking. You're having a hope of scoring from that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Peter Lincoln What the Fuck Award. 
Emmy Martinez to Douglas Louise immediately. Onana's in on him. Martinez gets clattered. It's just sometimes he's inviting this stuff onto himself. This was the thing as well. Like you, like you're right to talk about. You know, we Everton aren't going to come out and they're not going to press and stuff. But like when they did press, we we were we were good. <laughs> I can feel like Everton could have gotten more joy. You did point out that Onana and Decorey were good at closing down the space and things like that. They really were. Like we were shit. Like when they did put a bit of pressure, we got caught in our corners so often. Maybe maybe they just didn't like it because we were finding walkings over the top then and we were getting a bit of space. But I was thinking this is it's just not exactly what we want that we always say, oh, we're not good. We're not good when teams play a low block against us. Here is a team pushing up the odd time when we were losing the ball routinely and it started with this Martinez to Douglas Louise exchange. The Martinez Douglas it's moronic. Like the only pass that's on for Louise is back to Martinez, except this time after the pass back to Martinez, we'll have Onana breathing down his neck. Like it's <laughs> it's such a stupid pass. I'm all, I think it's so bad. I'm wondering if Martinez can actually see Onana. And if Emmy Martinez can't see Andre Onana behind Douglas Louise, we need to hire a club optician. Never mind a fucking tactician. Like there was a really, really stupid pass. But the problem with the fact that everyone were pressing quite well, which is what we wanted apparently, because we were standing on the ball for so long trying to stop them in. <laughs> it was it's the pace of the pass, and after that, it's the fact that we're rolling it back to Longley's right foot. Then he has to shuffle it on to his left to play a pointless pass back to Martinez for Martinez to play it to Louise. Ah, it was we just the. Everton gave us what the, what we wanted in the first 10 minutes and we just bottled it. 100%. The second nomination for the What The Fuck Award is a Douglas Louise foul on Branthwaite from another deep free kick. Free kick coming from Everton's half and Douglas Louise just gets a handful of shirt. Like this, this is a player as well that's, that's going, he's running out, he's running away from the danger because he knows this ball is going to drop 10 yards outside the box. And Louise <laughs> just gets hold of him. And it's a, it's a clap, talking about the Dean Smith Douglas Louise. Remember, he used to foul at the edge of the box all the time. There it was, another foul, another free kick, given 20 yards out right in the middle of the goals. And thankfully, James Garner hit it into the wall afterwards. Yeah. The- I have a bit of sympathy for Douglas Louise with this one. It's stupid to grab back, but Branthwaite's grabbing Douglas Louise's shirt first. So then Douglas Louise grabs him as well, thinking, well, this is going to be six and one half dozen the other, isn't it? Surely, surely be to God. Douglas Louise, you know David Coots, the referee. What are you playing at? Let, let Branthwaite grab your shirt and then hopefully a, an adult human will review the situation if Branthwaite scores from it. <laughs> I have an under-the-radar nomination that I, that I wanted to be my winner, but I don't think Martin is, is losing this one. But Diego Carlos chasing a ball in behind like he's in a cartoon skit. He's twisting and he's turning. He's looking over both shoulders. It just sets off this chain of events. He's got time again, but again, it's, maybe he just doesn't back his pace. I certainly wouldn't be. And like, Diego Carlos gets it inside to Kamara, who then has to poke it to... Bailey and it's blasted towards Bailey who now has to drill it back to Conda nobody's got the ball under control Conda loses it then because he receives under so much pressure and doesn't get one of those passes one of those nice passes that you're talking about and we end up conceding the corner and it's the only like the, the annoying thing here was Diego Carlos chasing that ball behind it should have been so easy for him just going to receive or going pass it to somebody but this is the only thing that was getting the Everton fans engaged it, it, was, it, was, it was kick and chase so when they were chasing, it was like everybody was up. Well, yeah, wait, this is our chance. We might get a block down in the Villa half. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the way Diego Carlos was going on, it was feeding into that. It was just a nervousness, and it was spreading through the team. And that was that was that was the thing that really 
like diffusing my head about how bad Everton are. There was a ball that was played over the top and Konza was just leisurely walking in towards it because he was under no pressure at all. But I, I can't even remember who it was. Like maybe it was Dan Juma kind of moved towards Konza and the Everton fans started getting excited. They started <laughs> salivating, like, come on, this is it. We're up. We can we can force Aston Villa to concede a goal kick here or to win a goal kick here. Was that, that mad stuff? Terrible. Yeah. I don't know what they were so excited about. I don't know. Martinez is definitely going to win. But before we move off to what the fuck about Jordan Pickford going out to right back when he was third to the ball? It was one floating no. over the top. Moreno and Seamus Coleman were going after Moreno even pulls out of it because Seamus Coleman's definitely getting there. But the Everton goalkeeper and captain, up until Seamus Coleman just came back, goes sprinting out after the ball. It was mad stuff. It was such a bad decision. You have to wonder, was Pickford thinking, third is good, third gets you on the podium. I might as well get out here in third position. Mad stuff. <laughs> You know what's sad about that is that nobody seemed to be like James Coleman didn't give out to him. Nobody looked at him to say what what the fuck are you doing? Just just accept this from Pickford. Just know they're going to see this green flash appear in their peripheral vision every so often. <laughs> Let's do the Vyman meter, and we have to talk about Andy Vyman. Like this meter is called the Andy Vyman. I can never hate you meter, and Andy Vyman is being linked with West Bromwich Albion. And we're just going to have to keep an eye on that because I do not ever foresee a day, or I never did, of Andy Vyman going down in the own, his own meter that he started. So, well, it's, it's it certainly can't be called the Andy Vyman I can never hate you or because we will undoubtedly hate him once, if he does, in fact, move to West Bromwich Albion. So it's either change the Andy Vyman I will always hate you award or change it to the Ollie Watkins I could never hit you or it cannot possibly it cannot possibly retain that title in its entirety but I'm happy to change it to the Andy Vyman I will always hate you meter because you know some people go down as well and they'd be going down because we hate them yeah but he's definitely blurring the lines now as well because I, I, this is more I've got Diaby here as a question mark for going up like this is how blurred. This is this is the blurred lines that Andy. Because he, well, I bet just because he chased back after a corner was fucked up, and then he ran back and got there first. Is that what it's for? <laughs> I'll just read out my notes word for word. Diaby really good at defending from our attacking corners. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to tell you, that's not a great endorsement of Austin McPhee's corners. <laughs> that Diaby's very good at defending them our corners. Yeah, 50 million pound well spent. The weird thing about a lot of our corners today as well, I know Alan Smith wanted us to swing it in so that Tarkovsky could head it away. But the fact that for the corners, for these short corners, we had our two best strikers of the ball going out there. Why are both of them out there? Yeah. Like, you, you, you don't need... It doesn't need to be Douglas Louise rolling it to, rolling it to uh, Leon Bailey. Yeah. Anybody in the team could do that. Longley could do that Carlos could do that it oh, doesn't need to be Douglas Louise I had Douglas Louise at the age of the box so he can affect the game he doesn't need to be standing out at the corner flag after giving it to Bailey by the time Longley gets it back to Douglas Louise the half time whistle <laughs> I don't really have I don't really have the happy going up but I have that moment as uh, something that, that was noteworthy. And I mean, going down, Douglas Louise is going down probably further than I can remember him ever going down. He, like, 20 minutes, he was definitely really good. He was Douglas Louise in the second half. But I just, I can't remember him having so little control of the ball. And I don't mean not having the ball. I mean not having the ball under control. Just always bobbling, always poking it, always looping it away, hitting it to nobody, putting people under pressure. So unlike Douglas Louise. 
He stopped playing at one stage on the left wing because he was being tugged. He, just thought, he, he thought, I'll stop and get a free here. And he didn't get a free and everything came sprinting down the pitch. And then, like, he, he incited everybody. He got, he got, he got the whole Everton crowd whipped up into a frenzy for the first time in the game. Genuinely, that crowd was so flat. Like you know, that was not like what I thought going to Goodison Park was going to be. I thought this is going to be chaos. Like, this is why it's so disappointing today. If that game had been chaotic and the the crowd had been well up for it, and we were under a bit of pressure and we came away with nil nil, probably would have been a lot happier. But they like, they were just there to be put out of their misery. And Douglas Louise, with about ten minutes to go. Pushes Tarkowski, starts a st- starts a, a big free for all. Everybody comes piling in. Seamus Coleman comes in. You know, I have to say I love Seamus Coleman, but not when he's playing against a team that you're supporting. It's quite annoying, actually. When <laughs> in in that case, but this this waste four minutes of time, genuinely four minutes. Only seven got added on, so we can assume that not all the time got added on. And and then Douglas Louise gets longly a yellow card. I don't know why he got a yellow card. David Cook comes down and wants to make it his game because he's the one in charge here. He's been given the task. He's been given the administrative task of overlooking this match. And he's not going <laughs> to let anybody, anybody try to take that away from him. And Douglas Louise gets the crowd going. He gets Everton going. He gets Sean Dyche going. He gets Seamus Coleman going. Everybody's going now because he's pushed Tarkowski. And why? Because Tarkowski did exactly what we're just talking about. He blocked down an Alex Moreno clearance. <laughs> yeah, like, like most of the things you said there were absolutely spot on. Douglas Louise, even if it was only 20 minutes, that was the only 20 minutes of quality we had from anybody on the pitch. For, so for Douglas Louise to go down, despite the fact that he had, that seems a little bit off colour to me. Like Douglas Louise was definitely our best player, even though he was way below Douglas Louise's standards. I didn't play for 70 minutes, like he said. That one where he just stood in the the byline. I think he started that by saying it was such an un-Douglas Louise performance. That was Douglas Louise performance from three or four years ago. Getting tugged and then standing there. Ollie Watkins had to fill in for him. Ollie yeah. Watkins was then chasing back like a dog into midfield to try and try and yeah. play defensive midfield for <laughs> Douglas Louise because he was... Like Jack Grealish was back playing on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Ollie Watkins hasn't forgotten the Jack Grealish days. But that <laughs> that corner flag incident, I mean, Christ, talk about giving Everton everything they wanted. Like especially Seamus Coleman as well. We Donegal Light is just looking for a bit of lip. I think we might as well have offered him a plate of spuds and our on a road with too many bends and not enough police on it. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck were we playing? That's exactly what Seamus Coleman wanted. Exactly what Everton needed at that stage of the game. Yeah. You mentioned Jack Grealish. Actually, we can take a quick detour. Jack Grealish is going down on the Vima meter. Jack Grealish, not 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 that I want to make this about Jack Grealish, but there is a reason for this. But I did notice that he put in his Instagram stories last night. You know, he's, he's riding Kevin De Bruyne again, as is his want. But, I mean, Jack Grealish watched two wingers getting subbed off during that Man City win at Newcastle. He wasn't one of the players coming on to replace him. Now Oscar Bob and Kevin De Bruyne are ahead of him in the pecking order. But he's, he's still posting away. Anyway. anyway, the point is, Ben Foster was interviewing Jack Grealish on Prime. <laughs> It wasn't on the Fozcast, and Grealish, I mean, it sort of just, it confirms everything he knew anyway, but he was saying that he can always hear Pep's voice through everything, and it was so funny, because he wandered down a, a corridor that was slagging the Man City fans, because he said, I don't really hear the fans, you know, and then he <laughs> realized what he was saying, and he was trying trying his hardest to qualify that it's not nothing to do with the fans, it's about him being in the zone, but he can always hear Pep. 
but he, he knows Pep's only shouting at him to give him good advice, so you gotta listen. Anyway, he went on. This is why he's going down on the Vima meter. Uh, the Foz was asking him, you know, what what's the best strikers you played with? I mean, you played with Kane, you played with Haaland, and, and Grealish said, I've played with some unbelievable strikers. My ears perk up, speaking about meters. And he said, <laughs> he said, played with some unbelievable strikers, Kane and Haaland. Gabby Jesus, when he was here. <laughs> Riyad Re, Mahrez, one of the best players I've ever played with. I've played with some unbelievable strikers. Well, he does have an encyclopedic knowledge of the sport. <laughs> you're, you're talking about Man City not bringing him on. Man City needed a goal. They were 2-1 down, actually, at one stage. They need two goals. They're not going to yeah. bring on a fucking left-back. Why would they bother bringing on Jack Grealish in that nah. situation? But, like, yeah, Jack Grealish saying Gabriel Jesus, so I'm not surprised Jack Grealish is just... Or Gabriel Jesus is just as effective in terms of output as Jack Grealish is for Man City. Of course, he's <laughs> going to name him. He's his fucking idol. He doesn't score, doesn't assist either. He did say he was talking to Conor Hurraham when he left or when he was leaving, and he was like, I'm going to get so much goals and assists. Imagine what I got at Villa. What will I get here? And uh, <laughs> Obviously, didn't. He said, because he said part of the reason for that is when he gets the ball at Man City, as soon as he gets it, there's two players on him. I was like, this boy has forgotten. This boy needs to go back and watch The Lion King when Simba is out wandering the wilderness and he sees Mufasa in the clouds and Mufasa comes down to say, you've forgotten who you are. You must remember who you are. Remember who you are. He's forgotten. He actually said the words, I even think I can do more, you know. (laughs) It's like, yes, you fucking can. Yes, you can. Yeah, he can either watch The Lion King or he can watch Aston Villa highlights from 2019 to 2021 when Jack Release was the only attacking player that we had. Like, you know, he doesn't have to go for a cartoon, Connor. Remember. <laughs> Ezra Khan's is going up, right? Not just because of Unai Emery's interview. I assume everybody's seen Unai Emery's interview. Just go check it out if you haven't. It's doing the rounds. Speaking about Ezra Khan's, about ah, he was, he was, some games he was good, some games he wasn't. Is when he came to Villa, he was analysing all the players. And he's tasking Ezra Konza every time and he keeps improving every time and now the challenge is for Ezra Konza to be a leader for the club and to lead everybody around him and to drag them up and to push the club onto the next level as well like that's the challenge he's setting him now not just you know be a better centre half now he's got the consistency now can you drag us to the Champions League please <laughs> but yeah I think he was pretty consistent again today yeah he was yeah Ezra Konza is one of those players I'm sure Unai Emery like the rest of us was looking at Aston Villa and you can see, you can just see the quality of the player. I mean, it's not, this isn't a difficult thing to do. It's even when Ezra Conza wasn't playing well, same as Douglas Louise, when Douglas Louise wasn't playing well, the frustration is because you know what they are, you know what they can be. And I'm sure Unai Emery was well aware of that. He was just watching Ezra Conza struggle for a really, really poor Aston Villa team for over a year. That was the issue with Ezra Conza. It was nothing to do, nothing to do with Ezra Conza's ability. Yeah. Alex Moreno's going up. I thought he was the best player today. Maybe Martinez deserves to go up despite his what the fuck because clean sheet, couple of big saves to keep it that way as well. And yeah, I thought he was pretty good. Is there anybody in particular? I don't think there's anybody else to go up. Anybody you need to mention to go down to get off your chest? No, no. I think I think I've done the the players I wanted to hammer there. Thanks for the opportunity, though, Connor. <laughs> You've forgotten who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's take a break and we're, well, take a break. We're going to end the podcast, but we're going to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're not going to end it forever, although I was tempted today when I thought of coming on to talk about this match, but we've done it. We've lasted an hour. We've gotten an hour out of Aston Villa, nil, Everton, nil, hurry all the way around. Whatever. We'll be back for Newcastle at home. It's going to be a big one. I think there's an FA Cup game in between then, Chelsea away, but we've got the big one then. Like This is the ones that I'm worried about now. I mean, could we really drop 12 points in Newcastle between now and the end of the season? Could we drop 11? <laughs> could we drop 11 to United? Like, could we drop outside the top five by doing those things? Brighton are in and around there as well. I think it's 8 to United, actually. Maybe 11 to Brighton, but it shows you how much I'm worried about United. <laughs> I'm looking, looking beyond them to the other teams, but I don't know. Maybe I need some reassurance. Maybe we just need Manchester to- United are eleven points behind Aston Villa. Manchester United aren't going to win four more games than Aston Villa win. Yeah, but are really going to win any more games? Is the question. <laughs> and on that note, we'll leave you be, and we'll come back for the next game. Subscribe if you haven't. Share it on, please, if you do get the chance. And we will chat to you soon. All the best. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.